welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I'm super duper excited to be here with you today. And if you can hear the sound of my voice, that means that you're listening or you're in the car with somebody who's making you listen. <laughs> I just thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Now, I don't know if you're one of my loyal listeners yet, but just thank you for giving the show a shot. And if you are somebody who's been sticking around for a while, just know that I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being here. And I hope you get something out of uh, today's episode. And it's funny because this week I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to talk about. Um, I already have um, an episode recorded. It's in the can, but I was like, no, I think I'm going to sit on that one. So what what do I want to share? What, what can I share from my heart to your heart that might be helpful? And all of a sudden it occurred to me like, oh yeah. So how this podcast, you know, part of how it gets out into the world is that I have a podcast helper. Uh, I say my podcast team, but it's really like one person and her name is Erin, but I call her Erron. <laughs> so Erron has been asking me, she, every time like we go to produce this show and put it out, you know, on my show notes, I get this little note that she keeps carrying forward about something that I said on one of my episodes, like a wicked long time ago. And she's like, this could be a great podcast idea or a podcast topic. And I was like, you know what? Today's going to be the day that I'm going to talk about this. So I, this one, this one goes out to Erron <laughs> because uh, she extracted she extracted this little nugget of what I said, and um, I do think it's an important topic, and I want to dive into it. And you guys, I swear to you, uh, for those of you who are not watching the show, for those of you who are listening, you can't see um, what I'm wearing. I swear to you, I did not plan this. So I'm going to tell you the title of the show first, and then I'm going to tell you what hoodie I have on, what sweatshirt I'm wearing. Uh, and uh, so I think I'm going to call this sucker Embracing mistakes, embracing mistakes. And when I came up here to think about what I wanted to talk about today, and then I remembered Aaron's little note to me. And then I was like, oh my God. And I looked down and I'm like, I can't believe I'm wearing this sweatshirt. So one of my dear, dearest beloved friends, KT Kirsten, she sent me this, this, so I have on my Bob Ross sweatshirt, you guys. And it says on it, happy trees, Happy Trees University. It's a little picture of Bob and his Afro and some trees. And oh my God, I'm just so excited. Now, some of you might know that Bob Ross, you know, Bob Ross, the painter, he was on PBS like forever. One of his th sayings was like, do you ever make little mistakes in life? And he's like, well, now they're birds. And he's talking about how when you're painting on a canvas, sometimes you might, you know, goof up and do something with your brush that you don't intend. And then you're like, oh, shit, I made a mistake. And then he's like, no, it's just a happy accident. Now let's make them birds, you know, <laughs> so everything can get turned around into something positive. Now, so. I just love, love, love that it's S-T-O-T-J. It's spiritual team on the job. There's no mistakes that I, of course, of course I'm wearing, I'm wearing this. And maybe, maybe it was the sweatshirt that tapped into my subconscious and reminded me about the thing from Erom. But I just love how all this, all this science and, and spiritual stuff, uh, how all this shit just works, right? Okay, so this is a little portion of what Erom pulled out of that old, and I don't even remember what episode it came from, but this is something that I said. And so I'll do a little storytelling and then I'm going to dive into some, some deeper aspects of this. And I hope that somebody out there, somebody out there who maybe um, has been afraid of making mistakes, who has found themselves to be 
uh, white knuckling a little bit. Uh, you've got a little perfectionism, et cetera, uh, going on. This need, uh, you feel like you need to be perfect to be loved, et cetera, et cetera. If any of that resonates with you, just double amen hands right now. But this is what I said, apparently. Uh, she extracted this quote. This is me talking in a previous episode. I said, when I was a kid, because of who I grew up with and how I grew up, I was terrified to make mistakes. I remember being terrified at times to try new things because making mistakes usually led to some sort of suffering. So in turn, this created the need for control. And I started to develop some OCD tendencies that had me chasing perfectionism. And I just read that. And um, from an outside perspective, like I know I'm, uh, that's me talking but me at 54, looking back on that, I know I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and I just had so much empathy, like and so much just compassion for that younger version of me uh, who was so afraid to make mistakes. And so I'll just tell you a little bit without going, I always say, read the memoir when it comes out, without going too deep into it. You know, so when I was a kid, um, my my stepfather had like no tolerance in so many ways, you know, uh, for kids and he just had no patience, right? He had like no patience for just uh, call it whatever, call it our, our high energy, the way that our brains work, the way that we laughed, you know, what he called, you know, stupid, like whatever. And there's this one particular incident and I've got I've got hundreds, but I'll give you this one because it's and if my if my if any of my siblings, if my if my sisters, uh, Kim or Pam are listening, they know they remember this day because it is burned into their subconscious, it's burned into their memory bank, too. So at one point we lived across the street from a pack. So imagine this big, big pack with, you know, there's like on, on the top level of the pack, there was like swing sets and slides and monkey bars and merry-go-round. Uh, a big field. And then there were like some basketball courts and stuff like that. And then if you went down uh, even farther, there was a, um, like a baseball field and a softball field. Okay. So it was a really big pack and it was all fenced in, you know, all the way around. And we literally, when I say we lived across the street, I mean, I literally like we would walk out our front door, like walk, you know, whatever it was like 20 yards, not even, and we would hit the fence to the pack. We literally, our house abutted it. Right. So we got kites. We got kites one year. And when you're a little kid, you know, I, I look at my puppy Bunchy and I just crack up laughing how sometimes when he goes to like lift his leg to pee, like he loses his balance. <laughs> like he still hasn't like put the, the foot, the paw, like, you know, coordination, body balance coordination together. And uh, I think it's the same thing with little kids, right? We don't have our full faculties of like, you know, balance and timing and perspective and space. Like I know for me as an infielder, right. Speaking about that ball field, like I, I was an infielder my whole life, you know? And so putting me in the outfield, trying to catch like really high balls, like balls that were hit really high, high in the air and me trying to navigate like where that sucker was in space. Oh my God, forget about it. So now there's three of us, right? There's, there's, there's me, there's Pam, and then there's my sister, Kim. And we all have kites. And uh, my stepfather decides, like, we're going to go across the street. We're going to fly these kites or whatever. So, you know, we, we go over there. And you're always, like, afraid. That's just, the, that's just fucking facts. You are always afraid that you're going to do something wrong and he's going to get pissed, right? Any of you who grew up in a household where you walked on eggshells, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like you are hypervigilant and hypersensitive to the looks on his face, what his forehead's doing. Like, does he take an extra like deep breath? Like everything, you're just, you're just like waiting for the pounce, right? So it's like, I felt like sometimes that it was a setup, like you were getting set up. Like it was like, fun. It was disguised as fun, but you probably knew that this wasn't going to end well, but you were still so excited because you were a little kid. So you just like believed it. And it's just like sucker, right? Like sucker. So we're across the street and, you know, Pam and I were like almost always, we're thick as thieves. We we're like always together. So he gets my sister Kim's like kite up, you know, at the top part of the pack. You don't want the kites getting tangled, 
right? So he sends Pam and I off into other directions. So now he's having to run, right? From one kid to the next to try to get these kites up in the air. Now, inevitably, it's not like that windy of a day, right? And inevitably, my sister will kind of get her kite up and she's trying to like finagle the string and the whole thing. And it's not like these are well-made expensive kites. Like we were poor, right? So these are like some crappy friggin' kites. And my sister Kim like gets hers up in the air. And it's kind of sustaining and, you know, she's trying to follow it. Like you're just holding on for dear life. You don't want this to end badly. And then he would run away, like run away from that kid, go to me or Pam, whatever, try to get that kite up. And inevitably, inevitably, by the time he got over to a different kid, the kid he had just been with, just their kite just fucking nosedives, right? It just like, like takes a header into the dirt. And, you know, you would see him like just whip his head around and like he would be running towards you. Not running towards you to help, but like running towards you. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why can't you? Da 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 Right? And you would get your head chewed off and you'd be called every, every kind of thing, including stupid. Right? So we were stupid a lot of the times. We were, I'm like, I think it's fascinating that somebody would call an eight-year-old an asshole. Uh, but you know, this this was his temperament. This is who the guy was. So um it didn't make for a lot of fun, even though we would try. <laughs> we would try. So now that's just an example, right? Getting screamed at because you don't know how it's the first time ever doing a thing, first of all. It's your first time ever trying to learn how to do a thing. And you might be struggling because you don't understand exactly how it works yet. You've never done it before. You're trying. We all know that repetition is the mother of all learning. I mean, in the work that I do, right, working with the subconscious, coaching the the, the unconscious and the conscious mind, um, even as a spiritual mentor, developing daily spiritual practices as a yoga teacher, as a writing instructor, here's what I know to be true repetition, 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 repeti repetition is how we learn. It's how we create new habits. It's how we create and tell stories that sometimes obviously uh, work in our favor, but a lot of times don't work in our favor. So to have the expectation that you need to get something right the first time, especially when you're learning something new, Man, like Mingya, as we would say in Lawrence, like Mingya is that a lot of pressure to put on somebody. And especially when you're a little kid, because when you're a little kid and you're trying to learn something new and one of your caretakers who, you know, you're seeing yourself through their eyes, you're seeing yourself through how they are responding and interacting with you, the things that they are telling you about yourself. You know, you start to believe the crappy shit that they say to you about you because little kids don't have that. I don't know. Let's call it that logic factor yet. Right. They're not able to question the authority of their parent. And, and instead of thinking like, oh, I'm not bad at this. I'm just learning something new. The problem here, right? We always assume that we're the problem. Oh, your parents got divorced when you were young. Somehow, some way, you think that maybe you were part of the problem, right? Um, your parent is calling you an asshole. Your parent's calling you stupid. Your parent's like, whatever, not being kind to you, right? You're not thinking as a little kid, oh, he just doesn't have any patience. Oh, he doesn't know how to talk to me with kindness and compassion. Oh, He's got unresolved trauma, right? Like none of that, none of that is going through your mind. You know, our identities start to get created by like your environments, your experiences, your interpretations, the meaning you've assigned to it, your beliefs, right? Your stories, all these things. And they start at a very young age. So when you're a kid who's terrified to make mistakes, because when you make mistakes, you get yelled at, you get poked, you might get put up against the wall, you get told awful things about yourself when all you're doing is trying to be a kid and have some fun, you know, that, that stuff leaves a mark. And so, you know, like combine that 
combine that. And if you, if you can feel that, like, I wish I could see people. I wish I could, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when people listen to these episodes. So I could see if any of this is landing for you. And that's why I always say like, it's like interactive, like double A men hands. If you, if you feel what I'm saying right now, like if you, if you had a teacher in school or you had a parent or you had somebody in your life who made you feel less than, who made, who belittled you, um, who called you names that like made you not feel that confident that made you feel um, unloved or uncherished. And, you know, I always think about what my friend Linda Tai, who um, that that's the episode that I have sitting in the can that I'm going to be sharing soon. So Linda Tai, my friend who is a brilliant, brilliant teacher and community builder and trauma therapist expert. She's just brilliant and she's a storyteller. She's a lot of things. Um, but she talks about one of the greatest things, one of the greatest gifts you can have as a person, and especially when you're a little kid, is to have somebody who delights in you, who like delights in you. And, you know, I always talk about how my dogs, my animals, like when when you walk into the room, like they are so jazzed, <laughs> like they're always so excited, like Bunchy like spins in sir, like Bunchy gets so excited. Oh my gosh. Uh, and it's just the best feeling when somebody, uh, including an animal, like delights in your presence. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that I try to do for the people that I love that, you know, when 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 I feel lit up when they walk into the room, I try to try to let that show on my face or in my words or the the quality of my attention. Of course, I don't always get it perfect or get it right, but I, I do try to be mindful of it because I know how healing and powerful um, and helpful it can be to us. So going back to this, what I find so fascinating is as a kid who is terrified to make mistakes, as a kid whose life as a child, especially felt really fucking out of control, like just really out of control. And most of you know, you know, at least pieces of my story, right? My childhood was incredibly unstable in a thousand ways. And so one of the ways, especially after my mother was killed, especially after my mother died, one of the things that I tried to do to feel more safe internally, because that's the number one thing your nervous system is asking is, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And my answer was always no. I never felt safe. I was terrified. I was terrified so much of my life. And I always say to people, why do you think that I'm so attracted to... Um, you know, A Course in Miracles, why do you think that the work that I do so much focuses on around a shift in perception from fear to love, training our minds, training our brains, right? Returning to love because I spent a shit ton of time being scared, you know, and I still have a lot of fear in my adult life, right? And I'm always trying to work on that, you know, and for some people, you might not call it fear. You might not recognize it that you might call it anxiety or like these other things, but fear has Fear has a lot of ways of showing up. Um, you know, the umbrella term fear that it gets mass and disguised in a lot of different ways. But one of those things is because I felt so, so unsafe and so afraid. And so life, life just seemed the whole world just seemed unsafe. Okay. I had proof now I had evidence now that the world was not safe. Uh, just again, where I grew up, how I grew up, who I grew up with. And then of course, what happened to my mother. So you know, I now had I now had um, an ongoing feeling of lack of safety and out of controlness. So what I tried to do was I, I tried to control my external environment. So I started to develop, unbeknownst to me, because I didn't know, I didn't know about OCD. I didn't know about obsessive obsessive compulsive disorder. I didn't know. I didn't know back then how how these things um, manifested. Right. Now, I was never officially diagnosed. This is basically like me self-diagnosing based on my own habits and stuff like that. But it was little quirky things, right? It never got in the way so much that I couldn't function, but it certainly did slow me down. And it created situations where I had really strong preferences that became needs. And one of them was something is, you know, simple. And, and this is might be just be quote unquote common in children, but it was really exacerbated for me where like, I didn't like my food to touch on my plate. So I used to, I used to, if I had to eat on one plate, I would create divots. Like I would separate all my food. So like I would move the peas away from the mashed potatoes. I would move the mashed potatoes away from whatever else was on the plate. 
you know, this is back in the day when I was still uh, like, like imagine Thanksgiving. Okay. Imagine Thanksgiving. You know, I would literally have cranberry sauce here, mashed potatoes here, peas here, separate, like don't let the peas and the corn touch God forbid. So I had like, like those divider, you know, those little divider separator plates that they give to little kids. Like those were heaven to me. I was like, oh my God, each thing has its own place. And that's how I felt. I wanted everything to have its own place. I wanted to know that things were where they needed to be. I wanted things to make sense. And so that's what started me chasing perfectionism, right? And part of it, it all goes back to that fear and that fear of making mistakes. Because I felt like that if I didn't make mistakes, then everything was going to be okay. If I didn't make mistakes, well, then I wasn't stupid. If I, if I didn't make mistakes, well, then I was still lovable. If I didn't make mistakes, then now imagine how much I was setting myself up for a world of hurt, because what do we know to be true? None of us are perfect. Uh, we really can't control the external world. We can, we can sure as shit get exhausted trying, but the whole point of it, like life is a classroom. Life is this one big like experiment. And here's what's so fantastically funny that I was a kid who was so afraid to make mistakes because I was afraid that it would make me unlovable. What, like, just, I just think about, call it whatever you wanna call it, like the weight of wearing that, the albatross around my neck of wearing that, you know? I was just like, oh my God, I think back now and I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know, I don't even know how I did it. and. You know, it was actually somebody else who pointed out to me one time that they, they thought I might have OCD because, you know, the, all the labels, like I still, and still to this day, I like all the labels of my cans or whatever. I like them facing out. I like things particularly tidy. I like things to have their place, right? I'm not, I'm not obsessive about it the way that I used to be. I have come a wicked long way. Now they're just little quirky things, but my sweetie can always tell when I'm stressed because he's like, he'll notice me doing something. And he'll be like, are you okay? <laughs> now, some of it is just a preference for neatness. That's just me. I get overwhelmed if I have like way too much clutter around me. Um, so my internal world affects my out uh, external world, but my external environment can also um, affect how, how I feel. Okay, here's where it gets wicked funny. Okay, first of all, one of the reasons why I loved Mr. Rogers, Mr. Fred Rogers, is because he always told me that he loved me just the way that I was. So that gave me permission to make mistakes, but then um, it got overshadowed and overruled by the presence in my household. You know what I'm talking about? But then here comes Bob Ross and Bob Ross is telling us, oh, these are just happy accidents. Mistakes, there's no mistakes, just happy accidents. Oh, that's not a mistake. Now it's a bird. We can transform that. And I thought, how fascinating. I didn't even know that was possible. And then enter human design. So here is an adult all of a sudden. So, you know, for a long time, like when I lived out in LA and I lived in California, right? All that stuff, all, all that kind of like tarot. Well, I, I grew up with tarot. I grew up with tarot within my family. So like psychics and tarots and all those things, intuition, um, all those things were never bizarre to me or weird to me. I grew up with them. They're just kind of come with the territory. But then you start adding in things like astrology, um, numerology, the Enneagram, like all these things for understanding ourselves and self-knowledge, the ways that we come to know ourselves. And one of the things that has been incredibly like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's, I guess freeing could be one of the words, but I think it's more just, um, it's not encouraging. What is, it's not verifying. It's the thing that made me go like, oh my God, yes, of course. This makes so much sense and I'm so glad. I'm so glad that somebody explained this to me. Okay, so one of the things that I learned, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I'm talking about with the human design piece, but one of the things that I learned growing up um, over time is that I have to try things for myself. Now, I remember one time somebody in my family saying to me like, oh, what are you doing now? Because I would start to do one thing over here and it was never flaky. I have to be wicked clear on that. I was never a flaky person, right? But I would try something. I would really get into it. 
And then I would switch directions. I always talk about it like the zigzag path. And this person said to me, oh yeah, what, what are you doing this week? Like rolling their eyes at me. And it really hurt my feelings. And I remember that um, I, I, I started to question myself like, yeah, like who am I? And for a long time, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I always thought that I was going to work with animals, you know, in some shape, way or form. I wanted to be a veterinarian my, my whole childhood. And then my freshman year um, of college, uh, in between my freshman year and my in my sophomore year, I, I worked at a, a huge dog kennel and breeding facility uh, in Methuen, Massachusetts. That's that's in that that whole story is in the memoir. I've already written that 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 chapter. Um, and I realized very quickly that while I loved the animals and I loved the dogs, like painfully so. What I couldn't handle is uh, the people and the cruelty of people and the way that people treated their animals and abandoned their animals and how they interacted and how they treated animals like products um, and things rather than uh, beings with feelings and relationships and, and personalities and souls and uh, the ability to suffer pain. So um, I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. I realized very quickly. So that was my trajectory. I thought maybe one day I'll be a veterinarian, but I realized very quickly, oh, I am not cut out for that because emotionally, first of all, I'm not going to keep quiet about things that bother me. <laughs> if you, hello, have you met me? And um, I, I just emotionally couldn't handle it. I got way, I got like wicked, 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 wicked attached to the animals. And so, but it didn't end there. Then when I moved out to California, I tried to work for this guy who was a world-class dog trainer. And I kept like inserting myself into these places and I would get into them and I would realize like, oh no. So I was attracted to the animals on such a deep level, but it got complicated when the people came. You know what I'm talking about? I, just, I think I'll just leave it at that for now. So what I realized though, is that that was me figuring out what worked for me. That was me trying to more deeply understand me, to figure out what lights me up, to figure out what my path was and what my passion was and where I belonged and all those things. So lo and behold, here we are now, many, a gazillion, I don't know, 30 some odd, whatever it is, years later. And I have, you know, a few friends who start dabbling in human design and human design for lack of a thing. I, I just think of it as another tool to kind of get to know yourself better, just like your astrology sign or whatever. You know, it's just I, I think it's, it's an interesting way to understand who you are and how you operate. And so I found out that I am a generator and you don't need I'm not going to go into all of this. I'm just going to point to something particular. So I'm a generator. And what's wicked important for me is that I feel lit up, that I follow my curiosity, that I follow my enthusiasm, that I follow the energy. Because when I'm lit up, I have like I have the ability, um, you know, to kind of light up, light up those around me, to light up the room, like whatever. That's all you need to know is that it's really important for me to trust that fuck yes feeling in my body when I'm like, yes, and I'm wicked excited and I'm enthusiastic and I'm curious and I feel called to something, right? I'm supposed to follow that. But within being, um, within, within human design, you also have these things called profiles. And my profile is, is that I am a three, five. And here's why that's so important and why it was especially important to me. And I'm sharing it with you because in case it, it helps you too. Um, and I don't think even though this is my profile, I think the wisdom here and what it shares can be applied to everybody. That's just my take. A bunch of human design readers might say, no, it only applies to you with this profile. But I think there's some spiritual wisdom here that applies to everybody. So I'm going to share it. Okay. Now, there's this woman uh, who does uh, these longer readings. And my, my friend Meg Haynes does does them. Kelsey Abbott does them. Th and, and they've done really cool readings for me. This came from another woman. Um, I think her name is Erin Claire Jones. And so um, this is how she talked about my profile, my 3-5 profile. And listen, to, this is the heading. This is like the big fat, like jumbo, like heading. Okay. You can see it here. I just held it up really quick. It says, listen to this. You are designed. I am literally designed to learn through trial and error 
and be a powerful force for change. Listen, I am designed to learn through trial and error. I was like, holy cannolis, <laughs> right? Like, holy moly. And this is a little snippet of my profile. You're designed to lead from the front lines, discovering what works through trial and error and your own journey of experimentation. You're designed to tell the truth about what's not working and discover what does. Listen to this next line. No, there's no such thing as a mistake for you because everything you try brings you closer to what works. Oh my God, do I wish I could have told younger me this. <laughs> know that there's no such thing as a mistake for you because everything you try brings you closer to what works. I think this is across the board true for all of us. I hope this lands for some of you out there. Listen to this, and I'm skipping around, but listen to this sentence. It's not enough for you to know something works. That means intellectually. Like client, you've heard me say it on the show before. Clients will say to me, I know, I know. And I'm like, no, you don't fucking know. Because if you knew, you'd be doing it. And then you'd have learned experience and you'd be living it and you'd be practicing it. You wouldn't be doing it from your head. What you mean is you understand. You're telling me I intellectually understand, but you're not yet embodying it and living it. Those are totally different things. So listen to this, it, and this is what I love about this sentence. It's not enough for you to, quote unquote, know something works. You need to experience something for yourself to understand how. This is one of the most true statements for me or in about me of all times. It's not enough for me. Don't just tell me. I have to go and figure it out. You're right. I, I told my client, I told some of my clients the other day and people in the nest also the other day. Right. What I want you guys to remember about all of this is to go fuck around and find out. That's what this so much of life is about. Go fuck around, go take some chances, go follow your curiosity, go start some things, create some things, build some things, try some things, see how it goes and discover what feels true, what feels real, what feels like a no and what feels like a heck yes you know what i mean but we only know by having firsthand experience somebody can describe to me what skiing is somebody can drive to you know describe to me what it's like to go swimming with dolphins but i won't know and i probably wouldn't go swimming with dolphins unless i accidentally just bumped into one out in the ocean and they were free and not kept in a friggin you know tank or something but here's my point um I, I wouldn't know what it's like just by somebody else telling me. I have to get my hands dirty. I have to go and have the experience for me to understand what I think about it, believe about it, and quote unquote, know about it. I like to know through firsthand experience. Listen to this. It says, your gift is your ability to see and do things differently. God, don't we know that this is true? I have not followed a straight or narrow normal path right? You're a powerful leader. Oh, that's nice. And a problem solver designed to offer practical and innovative solutions. But how can I offer practical and innovative solutions if I don't go try some things, find out like my own wisdom about those things and to make it as efficient and as easy for other people to follow behind me? This is what I'm doing in my work. And I don't mean follow behind me, more like follow some steps. It's not about following me, but follow some steps and processes and practices that are going to save them time, energy, and suffering. You know what I'm saying? And let's see, I love this. Listen to this. This is so great. This is what it's telling me to do. Give talks, write books, and share what you've tried, failed at, and ultimately what you learned. I mean, hello, that's basically what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> it's so fantastic. But listen to this. Your wisdom is born from experience. Double amen hands to that. My wisdom and your wisdom is born from experience, right? Listen to this. Even when it feels like you failed, you are meant to pick yourself up and try another angle. Your gift is your tenacity and resilience. My One of my gifts is exactly that, to go out into the world, to try things, to make an offer, to see if anybody wants that offer, right? To do a retreat, 
to create experiences, to have one-to-one clients, right? Whatever, to live my life and to discover through trial and error, through making mistakes, through having big successes, through having little wins, right? And when I do, quote unquote, fail, we all know that saying, it's not failure, it's feedback. It's all helpful information. And I always say to people, how can you fail if you're learning something? If I go and do something that quote unquote fails, is it really a failure if I walk away smarter, better, knowing myself more, realizing some things, discovering what I can't stand and what I never want to do again, who I never want to you know, collaborate with or do business with, or, you know, for some of you out there date, you know, I'm married. So, you know, I'm already shacked up with somebody, but you know what I'm saying? And then I love this too. And I hope that I'm not just reading these for me. These are the ones I highlighted because I think it's applicable to everybody. Listen to this. Give yourself permission to make mistakes. That's what this whole thing is. Let's embrace our mistakes. Embracing mistakes is where it's at. That's where the cool kids are hanging out these days, okay? Allowing ourselves to experiment, to discover, to maybe get knocked on our ass, get back up, look at it from a different angle, find a better way to approach things, to get, as I always say, to get smarter, better, stronger, more learnable. You know what I mean? I know it's terrible grammar. I I do it on purpose. Okay, listen, rather than feel bad about yourself, for not doing something perfectly the first time. Hey, yeah, note note to stepdad. Hello. Let's send a little let's send a little gram back there like 40 years. Listen to this. Rather than feel bad about yourself for not doing something perfectly the first time, pay attention to what you learned and how you can bring that into what you do next. What a beautiful way. That to me is like divine alchemy. That is such a powerful way to take something that we labeled as bad, or I fucked up, I screwed up, I made a mistake, I'm stupid, I'm an idiot, all those things, right? Those of you out there who, when you make a mistake, you hear that voice in your head, or you say to yourself, now now you've taken over the role of those mean people, and now, now the voice in your head is your own voice saying you're an idiot, If you hear yourself saying that, I want you to stop and I want you to get really quiet. I want you to really think about what you just said, because every time you say that to yourself, you are programming that in, you are creating a neural network right into your subconscious. You are creating an identity of idiot and you cannot outperform your identity. It's really important that we question the stories that we say and tell ourselves about ourselves. It's really important about the quality of our thoughts, the quality of our words, and obviously the quality of our behaviors and actions. But those behaviors and actions tend to follow the thoughts. So that's where it starts. Listen to this. Be generous with how you share your experience and never underestimate the power of sharing your personal journey, failures and all with the world. You guys, This is what I try to do so much in my, the things that I post, the stories that I tell, the content that I share to let you know, like none of us are perfect. We're all doing our best. Well, I shouldn't say we're all doing our best. Some people aren't doing their best. That's just a fact. Some people aren't doing their best, but most of us are. Most of us are trying to be good, decent human beings, but we're also human. We have a lot of humanity. We all have egos. And we're all clumsy sometimes. That is just the God's honest truth. You know, we're gonna make mistakes. I'm not afraid to make mistakes. The thing I would be more scared of these days is if I didn't learn from them. If I was moving too fast to even recognize that I made one. And then if I make it, can I meet myself with compassion, with empathy, with grace, with a sense of humor? Like, hmm. And then taking the time to leave a little white space to ask the question like, well, what did I learn from this? How can I change this? How will this be helpful for somebody coming up behind me who inevitably is going to probably step in that same hole, right? What did I learn about the hole itself and why I didn't go around it and then how I get out of it? This is very valuable. 
And this is why we want to share these things. You know, if we're always only talking about, about how great we are, and especially like you see it all the time in marketing, especially with business coaching, oh, 10K months and six figure this and seven figure that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, well, why don't you tell me about the time that you made no money for three years or the time when you had to fire your whole staff because you X, Y, and Z. And what about this? Because there is so much power in our mistake making. And if we can embrace mistakes, if we get more comfortable embracing those times when we were a little clumsy or we moved too fast or, you know, we thought we were making a good decision, we thought we were following, you know, our gut instinct. And it was like, brr, I was actually coming from a place of reactivity or fear instead of love. And, you know, I screwed up a little bit, but man, was that a valuable lesson, right? This is how we can help each other, not just pointing to the highlight reels, not just pointing to the places where we got it all figured out. You know who's got it figured out completely? No one. I don't know. If you believe in God, if you believe in something omnipotent, something omnipresent that has all this wisdom, maybe that's got it figured out. But the rest of us, we're humans, and we do some humaning, don't we? Don't we do some humaning us humans? <laughs> so here's what I do know to be true. The times in my life when I've made really, really big mistakes, uh, maybe when I've hurt somebody's feelings or I blew something, you know, I just screwed up or whatever. Um, it's taught me something really valuable about myself and what matters to me. And so now I do embrace mistakes. I don't always like it. I'm not going to say I sit there like, oh, yay, I made a big mistake, right? You got to you lick your wounds a little bit, right? But then you come to and you're like, hey, that was really valuable. And I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. It comes with the territory. It is part of the human experience. So we might as well get used to it. We might as well stop shaming it. And that's one of the things that I really realized in my childhood. Uh, and probably one of the reasons why I developed irritable bowel syndrome, right? My body developed irritable bowel syndrome is I think there was a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety and there was probably also a lot of shame, you know, a lot of shame. And so I want to unshame this whole making mistakes thing. I want to, uh, I want us to, um, you know, approach our discovery process of ourselves with more compassion, with more tolerance, with more patience, with more uh, empathy and grace and um, kindness, and also our senses of humor. Keeping those suckers intact is wicked, wicked, wicked important when we are learning anything new. And if we're too afraid to try because we're afraid to look stupid, we're afraid we're going to get yelled at, we're afraid of what other people are going to think, we're afraid other people are going to judge us, you know what? They're going to fucking judge you anyways. So you might as well just live your life and do the damn thing that makes you happy or excited or whatever that energy is that you're following. You're following your curiosity. And it's not always easy. So it's great to have people in your corner and whether that's a best friend or a sweetie or a parent or your um your you know your your work buddy or somebody who's in the trenches with you or is in your community or whatever it is somebody who is cheering you on and encourages you to try things and they're like hey so what it didn't work now you know let's try this instead when i think about how many products right i just think about how many products actually get developed they're called experiments for a reason and our whole life truly is one big experiment. And our life, this, this whole world is a giant classroom. And we are always learning about ourselves, each other, what we believe, what matters, what's true, etc. But we can't learn without making some quote unquote mistakes. And again, I think mistakes really are just valuable lessons. I always say, if I walk away, you know, having gained something, it might be insight, um, maybe getting knocked on my ass. Again, I'm not saying it always feels good. I'm not saying we like it in the moment or that we appreciate it when we're in the pain of it. But in hindsight, if we can extend a little bit of grace and like, you know, there's room for us to shift our perspective 
you know, the time, time can be a great healer because there, like even underneath time, there is the pattern of change that exists in all change. It's called the meta pattern. And even in time, right? You know, you have an incident, something goes wrong, time goes by, we shake it off, we get a little bit of perspective and distance, and now we can look back on it. We, we get more resource. We're like, oh, I, now I make sense of it. I know what's happening here. I know what happened there. And then we can look back at that mistake and we feel differently about it. It's a very, 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 very powerful thing. It's one of the things I love to help people with is reconsolidating memories and helping them to see, to rewrite those stories, right? Your story to your glory, to understand and to look back and to unshame those things. And I think that's one of the things too that came up a lot in my childhood is I just wanted things to make sense. And so like my trying to control my external environment and not make mistakes and try to make everything perfect, that that desire to be perfect, I was chasing perfectionism. But what I was really ch chasing was a sense of safety and wanting things to make sense. And unfortunately, right, my mother being murdered did not make sense. It's, it's never going to make sense. So I was kind of chasing this impossible thing. And perfectionism is a an impossible thing because it's not real. It's not real. It's a myth. And it's not a good one like unicorns and leprechauns, right? You know what I'm saying? It's not a good one. It's not like Tinkerbell and the Tooth Fairy. No, right? It is a fast track to hell. That's what perfectionism is. And it's not even real. And it's not even true. So you guys. I hope something that I said today, that you found it helpful, that it landed in your heart, that it helped you to make sense of a thing, that it allowed you an opportunity to look at something maybe from a different point of view, and that you understand that I think we're all in our own ways. How we're going to learn is through trial and error. The key is to recognize the pattern when we are making the same mistake again and again and again and again, expecting a different result. What do they say? What's the definition of insanity? Is when you keep doing the same shit, thinking it's going to end differently, right? You're going to get a different result. No. So if we can look and be able to recognize the pattern, oh, I'm doing the thing again, and it's not going to end well. It's not going to end in my favor. I need to stop that. Well, then it no longer is a mistake. It's a learning opportunity. So if we can kind of look at things through trial and error, and the thing is trial, and of course in Miracles is this great line that says, trials are, um, trials are but lessons that you failed to learn presented once again. So where before you made a, a, a bad choice, right? A choice that wasn't so soothing, right? You can choose again. You can choose differently this time. So there's a lot of power in this. And so if we can just kind of take the sharp edges off of our mistakes, if we can kind of tumble them a little bit. You know, when you think about how they make shiny polished stones is they take these rough, you know, these rough uh, rocks and stuff and they put them in these tumblers and they tumble them, tumble them, tumble them and they bang up against each other, trial and error, right? They're just banging into each other. Kind of like what relationships are like too, human relationships. We're kind of walking around bumping into each other. And hopefully all that friction, eventually it polishes us. It smooths us out. So, you know, mistakes, let's embrace those suckers. Let's find more freedom. Because if we're too afraid to make mistakes, we're never going to go anywhere. We're never going to say anything. We're never going to write that song or write that book or create that piece of art. We're not going to start that business. We're not going to say, I love you first. We're not going to put on the roller skates again after, you know, 20 years or whatever. You're not going to get back on the bike. It's like, this is how we learn. So let's pinky swear, you guys. I'm doing a little pinky swear to the camera. <laughs> let's, let's pinky swear that as we keep trudging forward into our older age, that we're going to be a little more willing to not only uh, make mistakes, but to embrace them. It's part of the human experience. It's part of what makes us kind of brilliant and beautiful too. So you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day or your week or whenever you are listening to this. Um, 
I think, let's see. Yeah. If you're listening to this, there's still time to sign up for the Own Your Magic Retreat, where we're actually going to be diving into some of this, unshaming our past and being able to look at these things that we think, you know, oh, I'm so fucked up. I'm broken. I'm this. I'm that. I'm like, no, no, no. That's where your part of your magic lies. And so I'm wicked excited. I already have like 12 beautiful people who are coming to the retreat and I can't, I would love, I would love to invite a few more. It is purposefully pretty intimate group. I like to work that way. Uh, I like to be able to go deep and create a container where people feel seen and heard and there's enough room for people. So uh, if you want to join us, own your magic, uh, just go to my website, karenkenny.com slash retreat. You can find it there. And if you just want to find out about other events and other upcoming things, what are all the fun shit I have going on? Because some fun stuff is coming up. I have a collaboration coming up with some really fun workshops for entrepreneurs. I'm also going to be doing um, some really cool. uh, I'm not even going to talk about it yet, but just know I'm going to be doing these really cool um, no brainer opt-ins to, um, come take and have these experiences that involve, um, like kind of story time and hypnosis. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. Wherever you go, may you leave yourself. May you leave the other humans. May you leave the animals you encounter. May you leave the place, like the places you visit, the environment you visit and the planet better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. (laughs) I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.